Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. And Allen will boot and he'll flip it wide open. The man who scored all the touchdowns in the playoffs, Gabe Davis. Touchdown, Buffalo. Third and goal. Allen keeps it, pumps, runs, breaks the plane. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen took care of it himself. Four, Allen stepping up and now floating it downfield and digs it behind the secondary. Stumbles, but brings it in. Buffalo touchdown. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the He missed the first one. I was trying to do the second one for him, but then we both did it. I thought it's it was mess. always on the second. You can do either one. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I, re- I just remember the very first time you and I ever did a Friday, and I was like, hey, I want Steve's not here. I'll do the yeah. And then I didn't realize that there was actually a yeah because he yells so loud. Remember? And you went, you missed it. Yeah. You, you thought you just screamed it whenever you wanted. Yes, you didn't know yes, that you were yes. screaming along you, with the words. You, 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 uh, you could have given me one of your classic... What's happening here? <laughs> well, I, I, I will also point out, I pulled another one uh, the other day, which I found out later a lot of people were very impressed by. Uh, but we were at a dinner together. I was oh, trying to do best. three fantasy drafts at the same time. Yeah. So everybody's eating dinner, very nice restaurant. I have my computer out and my phone out. I'm trying to do all these drafts. We're trying to, we're trying to be there. And... As I'm completely focused on what's going on, Willie is having a conversation with somebody else at the table. Somebody is planning on ordering a 36-ounce steak. Yes, they end up doing it, and it was massive. But the guy goes, oh, 36-ounce steak, that's three pounds. Willie says this. That's three pounds. And without even looking up from my computer, I just go, no, it's not. Like I, that, That's the worst math I've ever heard. 16 ounces is a pound. 48-ounce steak would be three pounds. It wasn't even close. Uh, but I corrected Willie without even looking up, and then I found out the next day that people were very impressed by not paying attention but somehow doing the math and correcting Willie, who was just silly there. And you don't even have a response. You can just sit here and stare at me because you can't even answer for the fact that you can't do simple math while we're sitting at a dinner table. But let's get to it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Five at Five. Number five. All right, a lot of football. Get into some UFC in just a moment as well. Uh, but let's start with what we heard coming back, the Bills' absolute destruction of the Rams. I think coming out of that game, my takeaway really, first of all, the Bills are as good as advertised. The defense in particular, uh, once again, last year, number one defense in the NFL. Looked like once again they may be among that, uh, that group. Obviously, the offense didn't punt. Once again, Josh Allen made plays for sure. There were some inconsistencies, but that's early in the season. Bills were very good. The biggest takeaway to me, besides the Bills' defense, was the Rams are just not good right now. Uh, They have a long way to go. It's, you know, traditionally the Super Bowl hangover is a thing. But I came out much more concerned about the Rams than I did impressed by the Bills. 
I don't know what to take from it, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Um, I don't think the Rams are as bad as we saw, but I think the Bills are as good as we saw. So, I mean, I just – it's it's week one. I'm not going to overreact to either team, even though we do have our wild card and playoff predictions coming up. Um, it's a wait and see. It's a wait and see. I'm just not convinced the Rams are as, as, as that much of a mess that we saw last night, and I just don't know if Buffalo dominated them. As, as as much as they dominated them, but I think it was more on the Rams. I yep. think they shot themselves in the foot a little bit more. So, you know, obviously a lot of focus on that because it's the first game. It's a standalone game on a Thursday night. People were waiting all season for it. Uh, I, I Maybe a little concerned about Stafford's elbow. I know they said it wasn't that big of a problem, uh, but I thought that there was times in the game. Now, a lot of that was the fact that he had zero time. He was under pressure pretty much every time he tried to drop back. Uh, but that was a, a bit of a concern, certainly the offensive line issues and his potential health. Uh, all those things were concerning, but just more the, you know, there was not a sense of urgency. There wasn't, you know, I don't think you need to panic at this time of the year. I just I just didn't see a response. You know, the first half, yes, they were tied at halftime, but that was more the Bills doing that to themselves than it was the Rams doing anything great. Uh, they had a couple of opportunities to kind of take control of the game, and they didn't let the bill stay in it. And, you know, I, I was with you. I said at halftime, I said, this is going to be a, a massive second-half bet for me because yep. uh, the Bills were just so much better of a team, uh, and we saw that kind of take shape in the second half of the game. So uh, not panicking about the Rams, but I was a little bit down on them anyway, and uh, that certainly didn't do anything to change it. Number four. All right, we've been talking about this a little bit. Uh, we have a massive shift in what is going on with the UFC card tomorrow. Now, as of this morning, and uh, not to complain about myself, but I uh, stayed up. You know, as we mentioned, went out and watched the game last night, went out to some dinner with some other folks, and uh, I stayed up until about 3.30 working on a feature about this big fight between Nate Diaz and Hamzat Shemaev uh, really was booked because Nate Diaz on the last fight of his contract. He's going into free agency. Shemaev was booked to destroy him. The UFC was hoping that Shemaev would just go out and dominate him in the first round like he does almost everyone and send Nate Diaz spiraling in terms of value into his free agency period, depress the value in the market while simultaneously making a bigger name out of Hamzat Shemaev and then he could fight for a title in his next fight. And about 9 a.m., all those plans just went flying out the window. Shemaev comes in way overweight. 170 is the weight class. You get 171 for a non-title fight. He was 178 and a half. So way over the scheduled contracted weight. Then Nate Diaz, obviously, who does make weight, is not going to fight Shemaev. Uh, he didn't want that fight anyway. Why would he take that fight? Didn't make any sense. Uh, so the scrambling began, and there was a lot of talk. I immediately said, I think they should just make Nate Diaz Tony Ferguson. Ferguson already waited at 170 for his fight. Just switch that around. Those are two veterans that a lot of people have wanted to see for a long time. They haven't actually fought. Make that fight happen. It's not that easy, though, because the UFC probably, or Nate Diaz probably went and said, okay, I'm going to switch opponents. You're going to give me a lot more money. And the UFC probably came back and said, We'll give you more money, but we're going to extend your contract. You're going to be under our control for a while. And Nate said, no chance. Uh, so I'm sure this went back and forth with lawyers, agents, representatives all day. 
eventually they do come to an agreement for Nate Diaz to fight Tony Ferguson, five-round main event tomorrow. So that's set. Now you've got Tony Ferguson's previous opponent, uh, Lee Hyung-dong, who doesn't have an opponent. But you do have other fighters on the card that are also now left without opponents. So they scramble, mix and match. They end up with Hamzat Shumayev, this breakout star in the UFC, now fighting Kevin Holland, another breakout star in the UFC. It's going to be massive for one of them. One of them will get a big boost out of this. Shumayev still remains a favorite in that fight, minus $4, but not like the minus $12 favorite he was against Diaz. So Shumayev-Holland is a much better fight. I think Ferguson-Diaz is a much better fight. Somehow, some way. and uh, Daniel Rodriguez was supposed to fight Holland. He will now fight Yonglong. Uh, so now you're now you're left with what I would say is a much more competitive, much more intriguing card than if this fight would have just stayed together. It's crazy that this can happen in the UFC, and I'm sure that they're not thrilled that this happened because it looks like it's just total chaos and, and silliness. But when you actually sit down and watch the fights tomorrow, it's a better product than it would have been as of this morning, which is crazy. Let me ask you this happen. real quick. So when these adjustments are made... You know, you prepare yourselves, like when I was covering boxing, right? You're preparing yourselves, and in some respects, you train for how you fight, but you also have to train defensively sure. of what you're, how you're going to be attacked. How does, this, how does this affect their preparation and what they should prepare for? Very much. Uh, listen, if I'm Nate Diaz, there's no chance I'm making a switch from training to, for Shemaev to fighting Tony Ferguson on 24 hours' notice. It's a totally different fight. Now, Nate Diaz isn't a film guy. He's not... You know, he's not uh, out there strategizing necessarily a whole lot. So it's a little bit different situation. Uh, but all these guys are now facing different style fighters than they were going to. I I'm sure in the in the moment, you're like, all right, I'm going to get paid more than I thought. I'll go ahead and take this fight. It's actually, and it's a easier, not an easier opponent, but a much, I guess a much more favorable, favorable opponent for a guy like Nick, uh, Nate Diaz to go against Ferguson than it would have been against Shmaev. But um, yeah, this is a famous scenario going back to UFC 151 where it was canceled one of the only pay-per-views to ever be canceled because John Jones would not accept a replacement opponent and he was right not to now he got roasted by many fans and by the UFC but if I was him putting a win streak and a title on the line no chance I would have switched from you know a stand-up fighter that's a wrestler to like a jiu-jitsu guy that, that could be on the ground there's no chance I would have made that switch so I I I would have been supportive of Nate Diaz saying absolutely not. Uh, but, yeah, it was a, uh, a a very wild scenario for the UFC to try to re-scramble this entire card. But in the end, how much how much ever they had to pay out, whatever concessions they had to make to some of these guys, uh, it happens. I would imagine Tony Ferguson probably got promised a potential, you know, you know, springboard to being closer to a title fight, something like that along those lines. Nate Diaz probably got a bunch more money. Uh, and we'll see how this all plays out. But... Uh, the end product, I guess, if you ignore the strategical, strategic, the strategic disadvantages of these fighters, I think the, the competition level is going to be better. It's going to be more intriguing fights. I can't believe that's the case. It's insane. I thought as of like four hours ago, the whole card was probably in jeopardy, but they come out looking better than they did this morning. Last night, I asked you if there was any value. You know, you want when you with these fights and in boxing and in UFC. You know, you always seeing the prices. You're going to have to lay a price with favorites. But if there's value and you are one of the best to pick out where there may be an underdog value, was the one you pointed out last night? Did that change? Uh, did that fighter? Is that one of the ones that shifted? Number one, number two. 
with what shifted do you see some value prices? Yeah, actually, I man, I actually might I might bet Nate Diaz. Like the the problem is he like I would think a chaotic scene where you're changing opponents and you're just showing like Nate Nate Diaz is the kind of guy that would just show up and we'd say, "Hey, you're fighting uh, this guy over at the bar in an hour yeah. uh, over, you know, next door. Like, yeah. he would do that. that right. That's where he would thrive. Right. The problem is Tony Ferguson is kind of that guy, too. Oh. So I, I don't know that there's necessarily an advantage. I know Nate Diaz as an underdog against Tony Ferguson, who has had his struggles lately, intrigues me. I, I think that, that line would be a little bit better because I, I just thought Nate Diaz had no chance against Shemaev. Um, there might be value in taking Holland against Shemaev. Now, it's not a great matchup for Holland for what he wants to do. Uh, but Shemaev missing weight by as much as he did. Like, how much was he training? Did he really have a medical issue that led to him not making weight? There's a lot of questions, I think, about Shemaev going into this fight that we didn't have 24 hours ago that now maybe Kevin Holland at plus 350, wherever he is, might be worth looking at as well. Um, it, it, there's a lot of reshuffling of... of handicapping that has to go on i think for a lot of people that bet this closely uh but definitely a, a wild wild day uh, over at the ufc offices and they come out looking just fine number three as we move back into nfl the raiders coming up uh the next three and the big three and the big five are just different keys to the game so let's start with Really the only injury of significance going into this game. The Raiders had a clean injury report all week. Uh, they did have Devon Diablo pop up uh, with an elbow issue. or Yeah, elbow issue today. Uh, he's fine, though. He got in a full practice. It was just one of the things you have to mention on the, on the injury report. No injury designation at all. So fully healthy for the Raiders, which really only happens for the most part in week one uh, before anybody has really uh, taken any attrition. Uh, so the Raiders are good from a health yeah. perspective. The Chargers, not so much. Uh, Donald Parham, tight end, he's probably not going to go. Uh, looks like uh, Drew Tranquil, questionable. We're not sure what he's going to do. But the big injury, the by far uh, most consequential injury of this week, J.C. Jackson, doubtful. The cornerback that was signed by the Chargers to help fix their anemic pass defense will not play. Now, of course, J.C. Jackson, former Patriot, so very familiar with a lot of the guys in the Raiders locker room. Uh, he had an ankle procedure just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was to clean up some discomfort, apparently something that he was born with that he's always kind of dealt with, but it got to a point where they said, hey, we think we can fix this. You only miss about three weeks, and then you'll be good to go from then on without that discomfort. So they decided to try to clean that up. Uh, not great timing, obviously, coming into the season. So it looks like he will miss. That definitely changes what they're going to do to try to address some of these Raiders receivers because there is a lot of talent on the offensive side for the Raiders and a lot of tough covers uh, that they're now going to have to figure out without their top cornerback. I, w I found it interesting when uh, Devontae Adams was asked about that, and he just said, I, I don't know how much you follow my media, but I don't care. Yeah. I, uh, I worry about me. I worry about what I got to do. And as I mentioned to St Stanford, you know, he's, he's, he's bought into, hey, whoever's number's called, he's fine. If it's Hunters, if it's Darren Wallers, if, it's, if, if they turn to the rushing attack, just let him know what you need from him, and he's out there. He's not worried about who's lining up across from him. Yeah, he's not, he's not necessarily a tape guy. Uh, I mean, he's a tape guy himself for the most part. He does he does watch, 
obviously what other guys do, but he stu he studies and focuses so much on what he does and improving his releases that he doesn't really care who's lined up across from him. And Josh McDaniels gave his opinion on the absence of J.C. Jackson. We're preparing for him to be out there, um, you know, and then if he's not out there, he's not out there. But um, he's obviously a, a great player. And uh, I've said this before, they got, you know, there's a lot of people on their team, um, you know, in, in all three phases uh, that are going to challenge us. So um, their system is um, diverse enough, versatile enough uh, to accommodate, you know, uh, a lot of different things. Um, they change it up. They force you to do a lot of different things offensively anyway. So, um, you know, we're going to prepare for everybody on their roster, as I'm sure they are for us. Yeah. Uh, so obviously very familiar again. Uh, with J.C. Jackson. I also talked to Jared Stidham about what it's like to go into J.C. Jackson every day in practice. And, uh, you know, he said he's just a great player, and he does he definitely changes the looks that you have because you don't, you know, just because you see him in single coverage doesn't mean you can throw his way like you usually would uh, because he's so good at locking down a receiver. So it, it does change from that perspective what they want to do. Uh, but, again, I don't expect him to line up for the Chargers coming up this week. Number two. Another key to the Chargers Raiders game coming up this weekend uh, will be how much the Chargers try to keep the ball on the ground. Uh, Austin Eckler, a massive key to the game. And it's not just on the ground for him. They can throw it to him out of the backfield. That's like an extended handoff, essentially. Uh, so, how much will Austin Eckler be involved and how much will they keep them on the ground? Because I, I do think the Raiders' pass defense is going to be better than expected. They might be susceptible to the run, and I think the Chargers are going to try to test that. But we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know how much they're going to. I think I do. I just think as good as as good as Herbert is, as good as their weapons are in the passing game, I think they will try to at least run the ball a little bit. Well, yeah, and we saw that in the first meeting last year, if you remember, on that Monday night game, and he had a huge game against them. And I'm not sure. You know, I, we've yet to see really what Las Vegas's defensive interior can do. Right? You've got Crosby and, and Chandler Jones on the. On the uh, on the edges, but it's it's that it's that defensive too, right? We heard during the offseason, are they going to pick up in Dominican Sue? And so I, I think that they're going to test it for sure. And I think that because it worked last year, and the defense is a question mark outside of Crosby and Jones um, with the, with this entire new staff. Um, why not test it? It you know what I mean? You put it to the test, whether it's in one, two, three series uh, built around a. a Maybe a, the playbook for the first quarter, whatever it may be. And I think a heavy dose of Eckler doesn't hurt for a team like the Chargers. Number one. All right. Another key to the game coming up on Sunday. Raiders Chargers 125. You can listen to it over on our sister station, Raider Nation Radio. Also Comp 92.3, of course, on the call. The big debut, Jason Horowitz, is a regular season play-by-play -play voice of the Raiders. This is something that you brought up. Staley versus McDaniels. Josh McDaniels obviously taking over this team, trying to put a stamp on things, not trying to be the Patriots, but kind of trying to be the Patriots, um, and getting a second chance after you know a failed stint in Denver. And I say that because he used that word. He said it was a failed stint in Denver. Uh, Brandon Staley, we talked earlier about some of the criticisms, some of the critiques that people have had of his use of math uh i think from people that just don't understand math is mostly what, where that comes from uh, but he's going to do what he does and he's going to be a guy that does the proper thing 
in terms of what gives your team the best chance to win. That's going forward on a lot of fourth downs, not kicking a lot of field goals, going for a lot of two-point conversions. It's the way that you're supposed to play, and that's what he's going to do. But the coaching matchup will be interesting on Sunday. Yeah, I'm a... You know, because you and I are, are both fans of that, uh, you know, that mentality that Staley has, right, and, and, and really pushing that on the fourth and shorts and, and the two-point conversion, just, just in general the way he thinks. But I also like the offensive mentality of McDaniels because of the system that he has. So, I, I you know, with with two minds like that, I, I want to know how the, how the defensive – coordinators and the defensive system show up to sort of counter that and and gosh I really want to say that I I think McDaniels for me gets the edge considering the pedigree that he comes from and um you know and everything that he's seen you know and everything he's taken from Belichick to possibly he's gonna let his coordinators do what they do but also he may see something that triggers something, and he reminds Pat Graham or, or talks to Antonio Pierce and just says something that he's watched for years, right? I did a story on when when the Patriots and the, uh, they were doing joint practices and what he, t- what he took from Belichick, and he said, you know, I watched my father for years. I got my start for one year with Nick Saban, but he will never be able to replace what he got from Bill Belichick. And I just have to wonder if, if – we may see a little bit of a defensive knowledge that he pulled because he's going to need it against that offense. Sure, and I think a lot of it is, hey, let Patrick Graham handle that side, but uh, certainly he's watched a lot of the offense. He understands what the Chargers want to do, and he'll uh, he'll have his hand uh, on that side of the ball. And I think from that perspective, watching you know, Raiders fans who have maybe seen the Patriots but don't fully understand what they do and watching the way that he's able to create matchups that he wants with pre-snap motion, with getting different players on the field in different situations, with using the, the running backs not only as uh, ball carriers but also as receivers out of the backfield and the way they use Amir Abdullah. Uh, a lot of those things of what he does in terms of creating mismatches on offense uh, uh, is something to definitely look for and definitely get used to uh, because that's what Josh McDaniels is as a coach. And I think that'll be, you know, you'll see your first glimpse of it this week if you're you know, a Raiders fan that pretty much just watches Raiders games. And uh, it's something you're going to see a lot because that's what – that's what the Josh McDaniels brand is, and it's supposed to be. And, you know, with all the weapons that he has now to play with, I think he's going to have a lot of fun with this team for sure. So lot, lots more to get into about the Raiders and the Chargers. We'll continue with our predictions, our breakdowns of what, uh, what is going to go on around the rest of the NFL for the rest of the year. Maybe hear from Steve Cofield from up in California. Uh, all that and more as we close things out for the week on this Friday at the Golden Circle at T.I. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Afternoon drive with a hammer. If you go for it on fourth down like when you're supposed to and you don't get it, whoa, whoa, look what happened. People don't understand math, so you have to try to put it in a different perspective. If you say there's a 72% chance of something happening and then it doesn't happen, I thought that was where you're supposed to Yes, that was. I, I think you get it. I like You're raised on football thinking, ah, the right thing to do. Play conservative. We're going to punt the ball on fourth and two. Well, that's idiotic. That's wrong. Mathematically, you're a moron. Cofield and Company. Drive Time Radio. Monday through Friday. Cofield and Company back here at Treasure Island. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Willie Ramirez along with Adam Hill. It is Hill and the homies. 
I'm bringing us back because I wanted that promo out there because mathematically I'm a moron, and I didn't get a chance to answer Mr. Hill earlier about my 36-ounce, three-pound steak. Well, it wasn't mine. It was a colleague of yeah, ours. Sure. It was fantastically done. I do have to back it up if Adam told you correctly because Adam was so engaged in three fantasy football drafts and – as he told you, he did not miss a beat, and it was one of the funniest things ever. As I just, I'm giving the colleague, I'm throwing him so much flack, and he did not even look up for the from the laptop. It was fantastic. He says, no, it's not. So, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to weigh in there for a minute because I didn't get a chance to earlier. But speaking of numbers, we are in Las Vegas, and we do have three local teams going in action over the weekend, one tomorrow and two on Sunday. So real quick, wanted to give out some lines. California laying 12 down, a point and a half from 13 and a half with a total of 48 against UNLV. Currently for Sunday, Los Angeles Chargers minus three and a half, total of 52 against the Las Vegas Raiders. And your Las Vegas Aces are laying six points in game one, total of 169 to Connecticut. <laughs> I told you I like to say it like that. And if I'm not mistaken, we talked about this last night uh, where we were at. It's like minus 280 or minus 260 to win the series. I was a little surprised by that number. It's too low. Too low? Foregone conclusion. It's over. Wow. Wrapped it up, huh? Give it to him? Yeah. Done. All right. Well, I talked to. Uh, Start planning the parade. I talked. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I spoke with Asia earlier. I spoke with Chelsea Gray. Spoke with the plum dog, as they call her, Becky. Becky was So I asked Becky Hammond. I said, listen, you played at Colorado State. Kurt was an assistant coach there. It's got to be kind of surreal. It's got to be kind of nice. It's, you know, just kind of, she went, she just kind of went, yeah, 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 you know. I'm concentrating on what I'm going to do. I'm not worried. So later on, I pull, I pull her says. You couldn't give me anything for for the story, right? No quotes. You say, no. We'll explain. We'll we'll exchange pleasantries after the series. It was it was great, but um, I did want to talk. You know, Kelsey Plum. She uh, she has been unreal in press conferences. She's kind of stole the show this year with the media, with with the barking and the dog mentality. She dropped an f bomb earlier with uh. In talking about, because uh, I, I said, how bad? I mean, you've just been on a tear these per- first quarter of the season. And she talked about it. And she ended it saying, I just want it so effing bad. And she's like, no, I'm not supposed to say that. So I rehashed it. I was like, how have your mental health, how have you been able to keep that focus and keep things going throughout this season? Yeah, I think it's actually gotten better. I feel like as a team, you know, the, the more – we've been in like tight situations you just see people show up you know across the board and I feel like people have elevated their level of play and their you know competitive fire really um and so yeah I think you know I get credit for like the dog mentality a lot but I think this team has kind of taken on that identity of just being tough and we know that to win especially playing against a Connecticut team they're tough and this is like like Becky says we don't tiptoe into a bar fight they're like the they they are the bar fight like it's just going to be war um but as a as an athlete that's what you like relish that's what you're excited for i did that story on courtney for au and you gave me a quote and you your first words out of your mouth like she's a dog she's that's a dog. my dog yeah do you personally look forward to those one-on-ones yeah i mean you know what it's going to be really interesting uh like matchup wise 
you know, as the series goes, there's always adjustments made. So I don't know what they're going to do to start out on. Um, you know, Chelsea has been um, a god. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Corny if Corny's gonna be on me or like who knows, you right? But at the end of the day, um, that's why our team is built the way it is. We have a lot of weapons on a lot of different fronts, so uh, we'll adjust as they adjust. Going to be a great series start Sunday here in Las Vegas at the MUA. Game one and game two is on Tuesday. Adam, we're going to cut away real quick. When we come back, we're going to bring former Raider to talk about Sunday's game. Frank Hawkins is going to join us right after this. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. They have a rivalry going dating back all the way to when the Chargers was in San Diego and the Raiders were here in Los Angeles. You got Devontae Adams. We know what type of player he is. You look at Derek Carr. There's a lot of question marks, although we all know that he is certainly good. I don't necessarily know that the Chargers are going to go into Las Vegas and do anything with this great roster. I'm picking the Raiders in this situation. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company from the TI inside the Golden Circle. We're out in a couple of minutes. We can come down here anytime. And tomorrow, when Willie is back here with some weirdo from Comp, I think Gooch, who'll be out here. No, Gooch is great. He's funny. He's hilarious and smart. Easy now. Let's just. What, what more can I say that's not true about Gooch? But now, coming down tomorrow, Willie will t- tell you more about that in a couple of minutes. We did some. Called some audibles here as we get ready for NFL weekend. And uh, good friend of the show and good friend of Willie, very, very gracious to join us as we uh, wrap things up and get ready for the first weekend of the NFL. The Raiders and the Chargers coming up on Sunday. Former Raider and alum of some school we won't mention, Frank Hawkins. (laughs) Frank Hawkins joins us. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm blessed, my brother. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, we're getting ready for UNLV and Cal tomorrow. Uh, that other school up north, we'll see. We'll see them. We'll deal with them later on in the year. Uh, what do you think? What do you think of the uh, the direction of the uh, the Reno program right now, though? Uh, I think it's hurting. <laughs> I mean, we lost we lost a great coach to Colorado State because of the money, which I understand. Uh, we're bringing back a guy who, or brought back a guy who has worked in all phases of. Uh, the athletic uh, department for Nevada, defensive coach. He coached with Coach All. You know, he comes from good stock. Uh, he, I think we got him from Oregon, the defensive coordinator. So it's going to take him a while to build the program. But if he stays, if he's going to be loyal to the program like Coach All was, then it won't be long before we have a winner. You know, it was tough for me because I really like Norvell. I, I think he's a great dude, a great coach. So it was tough to say that when he was there, but I'm kind of glad he's gone now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he built the program, and, you know, unfortunately I hate to see so many of the players leave and go with him and, and coaches as well, but it's okay. You know, we, we, the program has been been uh, down before, and we'll build it again. So my, my guy, my old school brethren, Frank, I'm looking at your career stats here. Do you realize that – the team you have scored, you scored the most touchdowns against while you were with the Raiders, happened to be the San Diego Chargers. Four, I did not know that. Four, oh my goodness! Four touchdowns. <laughs> it's it's the most you scored against one opponent, and 
The Raiders open up, of course, the 2022 campaign in Los Angeles at SoFi this Sunday. So, and I know that you follow from afar, even well, you're here in town, but you you pay attention, you see what's going on. Yeah. Your thoughts as the Raiders approach the start of the season. Okay, so if I can give you a rundown, you just stop me whenever you want to. No, go ahead. So, so I have, uh, like you say, I'm watching from afar, but I'm watching, and I am most excited. Let's start with offense. I like the fact that they got a running back team that can carry the football. I mean, I'm excited to see the running back from Georgia, the rookie, um, and I just think their their running backs are a that offensive line. I watched them the the closest during the preseason because that's where the Raiders were hurting at the most. Uh, I think they got a center that's not going to allow any push up the middle. So if Carr gets pressure from the outsides, he can run up the middle like he couldn't do for the last year because you know the center wasn't. Wasn't capable, but uh, I like the right tackle, right guard, left tackle. I think they're going to be solid there. Uh, we know the skill position, wide receiver. They they get an A plus. Uh, tight ends, they get an A plus. Uh, and I feel differently about Carr than a lot of people. I know Carr can score you twenty four to thirty points a game without any problem. It's when they put him in a position that they're down by fourteen. And now he has to throw the ball every time or every other time to try to catch up or win. I think that puts him in a position that hurts what his talent is. So if they've got a good defense, which looks to me, well, I'm going to give Carr an A, too, because I think he personally, I think he's an outstanding quarterback. Uh, so skill positions on offense, they're loaded. The key to them running up 40, 35 points is going to be that offensive line. That's still the wild card. Defensively, the front four off the chain. They get an A plus. They're going to go get the quarterback. They're going to stop the run. But my question marks are on the the defensive backs and the safety. You know that that the number one pick they got been hurt every year. He's been in the league. Uh, the two corners, I'm 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 questioning. I, I want to believe they they can do, you know, the job. But that's going to be where they win or lose. It's going to be can they lose linebackers? you know, hold up to the run game and can those corners corner like cover like Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes used to do. And I know this, their safeties, they're hard hitting, but they got to stay healthy. So, so let me go back. Hold on. Let me stop. I'll yeah, stop you right here. Yeah. That was great stuff. I, I do want to go back to the running backs that you mentioned. Obviously you played running back in the NFL yeah. and you talk about the stable. They have so much talent there. You talked about Zemir, Zemir White. I'll tell you this from watching yeah. my practice every day, yeah. that dude is a beast, man. Yeah. He's going to be so good. The, the question I have for you is when you are an NFL running back, and I've seen this from Josh Jacobs, where it's like he might get two, th- two yards, three yards, three yards, four yards, but then he gets in a rhythm. Like you give it to him enough, and he finds his rhythm. He starts getting those eight, 10, 12-yard carries. If you have a bunch of guys, is it tougher to find to kind of get a guy into a rhythm and to, to get that guy the, the, enough carries to get going like that? No, no, that's exactly what you want. So when I was with the Raiders, we had me, Marcus Allen, Kenny King, uh, and then when I left, they had uh, Marcus Allen, Bo Jackson, uh, and Steve Smith. So, no, that's exactly what you want because you want to continue to put pressure on the defense. I remember Al Davis used to say, uh, I love you. Uh, Kenny Kane, he puts uh, the field guard in the defensive coordinator. He to go deep. So, I mean, if you got like you got, you talk about White and, and Jacobs, I mean, one-two punch, 
That's unbelievable. And if you put them in the backfield together, oh, my goodness. And you put them in a split back, then and, – and, and White's got the speed. Well, so does Jacobs. But White, White's speed reminds me of Bo Jackson's speed. Ooh. And he's a, he's a – He's an incredible story. I don't know if he has backstory, but this is this was a kid that wasn't even supposed to be born. He 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 was supposed to die in the womb. He was supposed to die after he was born, and then he had more troubles as a youth, health wise, and tore ACLs. I mean, this is a kid who's overcome so much. It's no surprise that he's here and he thrives because he refuses. He just refuses adversity. That's right. But them the kind of guys you want. Because they they're self motivated, you ain't got to start their engine, you know. And 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 the NFL, unlike college and high school, when the coach gives you a rah rah speech, in the NFL they say, "Are you ready? Let's go get them," and that's it. And you're sitting there waiting for the pep talk. It don't happen. So you want a guy whose motor comes ready and he's already running. The voice of Frank Hawkins, former Raiders running back. Uh, we just heard a great impression there. Is that your only one? Do you have other impressions, or is it just that? <laughs> You mean Al Davis? Yeah, you have Al. Do you have any other any other people you do, or is it just him? No, no, just Al. He, he, you know, he he had such an impact on my life. At seven years, some some people say it was great, some people say it was torment, but whatever it was, I'll never forget it. And I appreciate him for those seven years he allowed me to be a Raider. So we mentioned uh, you had success against the Chargers. Obviously, a long-standing rivalry. Do you hate the Chargers? We hate everybody in the in in the division. I mean, how can you? I mean, we hate Denver. I mean, for so long that was a rivalry. Still is. We really hate Kansas City. That started the whole AFC NFC NFL deal. And uh, you know, the Chargers. We we like to go to, to San Diego because we have more fans. Now it's in L.A., but we would go to San Diego. We'd have more fans in the stands than the Chargers would. So so that's and and, and then when Seattle back. You know, in, in the 80s, hell, we'd go to Seattle. It'd be equal. We'd have equal Raider fans for them. So, without question, it's going to be a great game. They got Khalil Mack. I'm sure he ain't never forgot the fact that, you know, his exit from the Raiders. And San Diego is a good, good football team. They got a great quarterback. They got good running backs. They got good wide receivers. Khalil Mack, the added addition to put pressure on the quarterback, uh, it's going to be a hell of a football game. But I expect the Raiders to win when it's all said and done and the dust clears. You know, uh, the last preseason game was Alumni Weekend, and, and, and I missed you. But uh, yeah. I, talked to, I talked to Marcus Allen. I talked to Mike Haynes. We talked to Fred Bolitnikoff. We talked to so many. And my question to all of them was that the word that's being used so much is brotherhood. And I'm impressed by the younger generation of Raiders you know, not the Derek Carrs or Devontae Adams who know the history of, of this team, but these younger guys, they they may not know it in depth, but they appreciate the shield of the Raiders. They understand what it meant. I ask you, when you say Raiders and Brotherhood in the same sentence, what's that definition for from Frank Hawkins? So from Frank Hawkins, it was I went into the National Football League in 1981. From the time I started in 81 till the time I retired in 1988, there were always retired Raiders on the sideline. There were guys who had Mark Van Egan, uh, Blitnikoff, uh, Banizak. Them guys would be on the sideline still coaching, saying, hey, we played Denver, look out for this. And that happened throughout my career. I had Gene Upshaw. I had Art Shell, I had uh, Raymond Chester. I had uh, Cedric Hardman. I had so many great 
players to learn from, to emulate, to want to be tough just like them. And the Raiders had won the Super Bowl the year I came in. We won it again three years later. So I got the history of and, and the ability to watch the greatest of all time. Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes, Matt Millen. I mean, I came in Howie Long same year. La La Zedo. It just goes on and on and on. And I am thankful. It's unfortunate that we as retired players, we don't get to interact with the current players. But the, the le- what you spoke about was the legacy. That legacy lives on, and as Al Davis would say, it burns brightest every single day. All right, Frank, we're up against it. I got one more for you. All right. You saw what they did on Monday Night Football last year. Chargers beat them down. You saw the Raiders eliminate the Chargers from the playoffs in the final game of the entire regular season. I want a prediction from you. What's going to happen on Sunday? That will never happen again. I'm going to say they got better coaches, better coaching. The team, the team. you look at how many offsides, how many penalties, that's a rarity. The Raiders are always going to give up 30, 40, 50 yards a game in penalties. You can tell how well a coach, a team is coached by the penalties and jumping offsides. They didn't do that, and I expect them not to do that this game. I expect the Raiders to win. I like Josh. I like what he's doing from what I see. Don't know him. have never met him. But what I've seen in the preseason, I'm impressed with the way the team conducts them and the attitude that they come to the field with. Frank, we really appreciate it. As always, great, great stuff. I will remember that Al Davis impression for a while. Uh, I enjoy it. And, uh, I love you. I love you. Thank you so much, sir, and uh, have a great weekend. Thanks, Frank. Anytime. Anytime, guys. All right, right bye. There you go. I should have I, I mentioned College Hall of Famer Frank Hawkins. Yeah. Fourth leading rusher all time, I believe, in NCAA football. The man. The myth. Western High School graduate. So A true Las Vegas, even if he chose the wrong school to attend in college. This is true. Yeah, what are you going to do? All right, well, you know what? We're winding it down. Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. I'm going to make a big decision here in about five minutes whether I'm just going to get a room <laughs> or go home and drive all the way back because tomorrow, throw the flag, myself and Gooch, it's week six of season two of Throw the Flag, and it's going to be our biggest one yet. We have Keegan Colasar coming on. We have former Golden Knight Ryan Reeves, now with the New York Rangers, coming on. And I have my AP brethren, Joe Reedy, who covers the Chargers for the Associated Press. He's going to come on to discuss Sunday's game. Big show. Make sure you tune in. ESPN, Gooch and I, Treasure Island, or just come down. Come down. And listen and grab some breakfast. Joe tweeted. Joe tweeted out. And I'm trying to find it. Uh, he tweeted out a quote from Khalil Mack today. Uh, Khalil Mack on facing the Raiders, and if it's a revenge game anymore, I mean the people that I didn't like probably aren't there anymore. I'll always have respect for that organization. It has calmed down from the first two meetings, but it's still the same. You'll see. Who did he hate? I don't know. We got to figure out who's not here. Maybe I'll try to ask him after the game on Sunday. That'll do it. Don't forget uh, all the things going on this weekend. Aces, Aces on. No, he wasn't here with him. Aces on Sunday, game one of the WNBA Finals. The Raiders open up on Sunday against the Chargers in LA. UFC tomorrow. UNLV at Cal tomorrow, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. So much going on this weekend. 
Hope you enjoy all of it. Enjoy your weekend. Check out Willie tomorrow here at the Golden Circle at the TI. Have fun at Kendrick. I will. Talk to you guys later.